Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Circling the Bases. I am your host, Chris Crawford. I hope you're all enjoying your week, your month, your year, what have you. We're kind of in the middle of everything. We're in the middle of the week. We're in the middle of the month, middle of the year. It's funny how that means absolutely nothing. Let's bring in today's very special guest. He's written for places like SB Nation, Baseball Prospectus. He currently writes and hosts a podcast for Dome and Bedlam. You can hear him every Monday afternoon on the Ian Furness Show. Please welcome my friend and fellow sufferer, Nathan Bishop. Nathan, how are we doing today? Oh, we're doing fine. We're talking about stuff that's right in the middle, and that just segues so perfectly to the Seattle Mariners baseball organization, <laughs> doesn't it, Chris? It really does. It's funny. I heard you on that radio show talking about the Jerry DePoto era and how when coming into the week, they were 465 and 465, and I joked that uh, this was the best of 931 for the Jerry DePoto era. <laughs> Unfortunately, they just came off a for us because we know we have rooted for this baseball team for a long time, especially for my grandma, who, by the way, just sent me a text uh, with an expletive wondering why she couldn't watch the game. And it was because it was oh. on YouTube and Grandma's my grandma's family show. Come on. Yeah. And grandma, here's the thing. You're very good at sending text and getting on the Internet and checking that type of stuff. Trying to tell a 92-year-old how to watch a baseball oh. game on YouTube sounds like just a little bit too much work. I'll, I'll show her how to watch the replay. Well, I would have, except for the fact that there is absolutely nothing worthwhile to watch, which segues kind of perfectly into the Mariners, Nathan. Let's just kind of talk about the state of them here for just a second, because I think that there were some lofty expectations set forward by some, maybe not us, but some, (laughs) especially after coming off a season where they won 90 games, were literally in contention for a playoff spot until the very final day of the season. It did make a couple of interesting acquisitions. We can kind of talk about some of those acquisitions in a second. But things have not gone well. They are now seven games under 500. I believe they're five and a half back of, it could be six back of the wild card right now. I really should have checked the standings before we started this, but professionalism is super overrated. Absolutely. Just, just kind of talk about like where this organization is right now, Nathan, not just for 2022. But kind of the long term as well, because it's obvious that there are some some things to be very excited about. But I think it's just as obvious there are some things to be less excited about. Well, I think, you know, if, if we're talking about this from a national perspective and just separating myself as a lifelong Mariners fan, I think that 
that's kind of what the Mariners are, right? Like rooting for the Mariners, we joke about it all being pain and misery, but I don't think that we'd stick around if it was all pain and misery with this organization. And and the thing that they've done while managing to be the only organization in Major League Baseball to never make a World Series is they've periodically gifted us some of the most talented and exciting and thrilling baseball players to ever play the game. This is the yes. franchise of King Griffey Jr. and Edgar Martinez and Randy Johnson and Alex Rodriguez and Felix Hernandez and on and on. Ichiro, for God's <laughs> sakes. Yeah. And I think that in some ways, this roster feels like a return to that comfortable norm. We have this super bright uh, star, this North star that this franchise has been missing since Felix Hernandez fell off in Julio Rodriguez to kind of bring us back every single day. But the wins and losses are also exactly what we're familiar with. And it's it's very frustrating. It's felt like at a certain point with this organization, there was an inertia behind this rebuild, which was that it would people kind of said that it was working simply because it had to. And we sure. convinced ourselves that it had to. And the farm rankings were there was there was such a direct correlation drawn from the farm rankings to the future of this team right that i really feel like i'm hoping that a lot of people and some people in my opinion that should know better kind of got caught up in that and i think mm -hmm. we're seeing the dangers of of roster of prospect hugging and of falling in love with minor leaguers and that projection without question i kind of look at the seattle mariners well i'll bring it back to an nbc property there was this television show it was a small little one called seinfeld and oh. there was this, uh, I won't do the, the Jay Buhner quote because, you know, that's just, that's, that's cliche. What I'll come back to is there's this episode of Seinfeld where Jerry Seinfeld keeps coming up even. And the, the, what happens with that episode though, is that coming up even becomes a good thing for Jerry Seinfeld. Like every time he right. loses a, a partner, he gains a partner. Every time he loses 20 bucks, he gains 20 bucks. Every time he has a friend who has something bad happen to him, something good happens to him. The Mariners are that organization, only it's coming up even in the bad way. Every time <laughs> that he loses, you get excited that you gain that $20, you lose that $20. Every time you get excited about the fact that you have this nice partner, the other partner comes in and isn't quite as nice. The They just seem to have this way of keeping you even keeled but when it's never good enough to be even keeled like talk to we have talked about this and we'll get into this little uh ian furness show by the way that we uh we both are a part of in in a second just because i think that they will be extremely upset if we don't mention them we kind of talk about the fact that this organization is improved it's just not improved enough yeah i don't know i think my frustration with this the current iteration of this franchise is i think that there's a misunderstanding of what it takes to be one of the best teams in baseball. And I, I question their both their ability to determine what it takes to be that and their determination to do what's necessary to reach that goal. Absolutely. Um, they would absolutely be very happy to win. People say that yeah. this, this organization doesn't care about winning. I don't think that's true. I, I think that this, this organization would love to win. I don't think they know how, and I don't think that it's, the number one priority for them in the way that you see it being with the best organizations in that's, major league baseball. That's um, where I keep coming to. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, Nathan. It's just, you're fine. that is what I keep coming back to as well, is that it's not that winning isn't a priority. It's not the priority. And they're not alone in this. There are lots no. of organizations that have this attitude towards baseball. Some of them do it much worse than the Seattle Mariners. And some organizations have a worst case of Stockholm syndrome about the fact that this is okay. This whole 
you know what, we want to build something on a, a modicum of a budget. It's fine to do it that way. But at the same time, it is also extremely frustrating because it gets into a whole thing. And Nathan, this would be a three hour show if we talked about sure. ownership and stuff like that and all sure. of the things that have gone wrong. But it is frustrating that this team had a pretty golden opportunity to get a lot better and flat out didn't. However, let's talk about something positive. And you brought him up okay. just a second ago. Julio Rodriguez. And absolutely. after an absolutely atrocious is probably too strong a word, but a real struggle to begin the year. A lot of it due to the fact that uh, calls just weren't going this guy's way. Uh, the, the called strike three thing was pretty famous on Twitter. If you haven't seen it, just search for Julio Rodriguez called third strikes. It was just a real odd little situation. But since then, he's not only been one of the better rookies in baseball, he's been probably the Mariners best player. Other than the called third strike thing, which is fairly obvious, and we can't really control how that goes, what's changed for Julio Rodriguez? What other, and also other than the fact that he's just really flipping good, has, has this light switch been turned on? And just how good can this dude be? I think that the big thing, other than that strike three thing that you talked about, which really, I mean, I don't know how much of that is umpires just wanting to flex on a young guy and how much of that is just randomness. Baseball is a very random game. But I think what you've seen from Julio, and I think that if you were going to fault him for any of those strike threes, it's that he started out the year, I think, a little bit passive. He was definitely only willing to swing. I think in the minor leagues, you can probably wait for your pitch more often than you can in the major leagues. And in the major leagues, you're going to have to hit a fringe ball. You're going to have to attack. You're going to have to be on the offensive if you're going to hit a ball hard. And I think you've seen that shift with his approach, which to his credit has not led to him not drawing walks and not working good at bats. His his at-bat quality has been great, but I think you're really seeing him realize what kind of pitches he's going to have to be able to attack, and he's just not going to get that middle-middle mistake pitch if he can get a guy down 2-0-3-1. You know, you're in double-A, you get a guy 3-1, you sit for that night. Even if the guy's got 96, you're sitting for that middle in 96 and you can do what you want. Well, that's not the major leagues. So I've seen that adjust. You've seen that adjustment happen in real time. And for a sport of adjustments, man, he makes them really fast. Yeah, I have been just so impressed with the adjustment that he has made. And I think it's worth pointing out, again, the baseball savant page is not predictive. It is just the results. And it tells you whether or not a guy has been lucky, whether or not not necessarily whether or not it's going to improve in the future. But this is a 21-year-old, and he's going to be 21 all season. I will never forget that he is a December birthday because I've had to write updates for Julio Rodriguez, it (laughs) seems like, for a very long time. But as a 21-year-old, hard hit percentage, 87th percentile. Sprint speed, 98th percentile. I'm still baffled by this. I did not see this coming. Nobody else can tell me that they saw this coming. I never saw anybody writing up 80 grade speed for Julio Rodriguez. He's barreling the baseball in the 71st percentile. You know, his expected batting average is fairly low, 26%. Some of that has to do with the fact that he is putting himself in too many two strike counts. I'll say this too. Like I really like Julio Rodriguez for the rest of the season, which is not a hot take at all for somebody who already has stolen 17 bases and hit Mm -hmm. eight home runs and posted a respectable 751 OPS, which in today's day and age, a 751 OPS is kind of like an 800 OPS, just the way that baseball is going. The thing I'm really excited about long-term with Julio Rodriguez is that there's not going to be a shift in baseball. And his ability 
to make hard contact to yeah. all parts of the field and pitchers not being able to just kind of set up a spot to pitch to this guy. Yep. That's going to be pretty scary, Nathan. Well, and he's just going to get more and more comfortable with the league and more comfortable with his own skill set. I think it can't be overstated that this guy is essentially learning center field on the fly right. in his rookie year as a 21 year old in the major leagues, which, by the way, you know, it's not like this guy is surrounded by a ton of help. This lineup, oh, by God, and large, no. I mean, the Mariners, the Mariners started Luis Torrens, Sam Haggerty, they started <laughs> Dylan Moore today, they yeah. started all sorts of other very fringe major leaguers. I mean, he has to be great, like right yep. now. Like the team needs him to be great, and they need him to be great at a new position. And he's done it all with you know, the mildest of bumps in the road. It's just, sure. it's just incredible. And, and you and I have talked about this on the Ian Furness show, which we do every Monday on 93.3 KJR at <laughs> 1 PM. Uh, hi guys, but he's barely tapping into his skill set. There is right. so much more here. If he starts lifting the ball in the air a little bit more, like you said, that exit velocity, there is so much raw power in this guy. There's 40 home run seasons waiting to happen. There is absolutely. I, I predicted that this guy's going to have a 40, 40 season someday. And I still think that that's, I, there's nothing that's happened that doesn't change that aspect. Other than the fact that I kind of wonder if he maybe will lose some speed just because of how big he is. But he at the same can't time, get faster, can he? Oh, yeah, oh my <laughs> gosh. If he can, then, then something's, yeah. Like, congratulations to whatever water that guy is drinking. It makes Maybe, no sense how fast yeah, he is, Chris. It's, I, it's, I, I see it every day, and it, it boggles my mind. He is, uh, like, a literally an NFL athlete. There is no yes. denying it. So we kind of talked about the fact that the Mariners made some moves but didn't do a lot. But they did add the 2021 Cy Young Award winner in Robbie Ray. <laughs> yes. The results so far have been mixed at best, and I think mixed is probably being too nice. Is coming off, though, a very impressive start against the Red Sox, where he threw seven innings of shutout baseball. Fortunately, the Mariners couldn't solve the future Cy Young Award winner. That is Cutter Crawford in that start. (laughs) Uh, Fun, fun, fun. (laughs) Robbie Ray has been bad for the most part this year, but I have seen some encouraging signs at times. It, where are you on him, Robbie Ray, for the rest of the year? Should we be encouraged? It, uh, the statistics about the one beginning are pretty dinging, but at the same time, he does have a track record of success. Where do we go forward with Robbie Ray? Well, I I think that you've got. We just talked about things that are measuring what's happened versus what we think is predictive, right? With right. Julio and mm-hmm. with Robbie Ray, I mean, having watched this guy. I think if you were to break him down by innings, like I, I don't have it in front of me. How many how many innings has he thrown this year? 77 uh, and two-thirds innings. I would say probably about 88 to 90% of those innings have been extremely good innings where yeah. he has looked every bit the pitcher that the Mariners paid $125 million to have here. Yeah. So if you were going to ask me, do I think that the 90, I'm sorry, the, the 70-ish innings that he's thrown that have been really good probably yeah. are, way more moving forward than the seven or so innings that he's had that have been really bad. I think, yeah. And I think he's by and large looked like that number two, number three starter that he probably actually is. We attached that AL Cy Young award. I mean, we all know that the American league pitcher crop last year was weird. Him winning the Cy Young was weird. Pat Hinkin won a Cy Young award for God's (laughs) sake. He sure did. So, I mean, yeah, the Mariners weren't getting a true ace when they got Robbie Ray. If they expected more than that, that's on them. But I think 
the majority of his performance has been that pitcher that they need him to be. Now, the fact that he they can't hit their way out of a paper bag and that he just so happens to give up home runs when there's two or three guys on base every single start, right? not great. But if you're asking me if I'm buying or selling Robbie Ray for the rest of the year, I'm buying because the majority of what I've seen from him has been encouraging. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And here's, I think the thing that it concerning to me is concerning to me is that he has regressed in command. And I think everyone thought that was going to happen. Like last year, he was in the 73rd percentile in walk percentage. Robbie Ray, as as much as that delivery has changed, was never going to be that strike throwing machine sure. that he was in 2021. I mean, that was an outlier season. You do not see 30 year olds all of a sudden, like unless they're Randy Johnson, who we did see like a similar type of thing happen sure. to him. But that's that's a different type of talent. As long as he's Randy Johnson about. on Randy Johnson's career track, then everything should right. be fine. Here is the thing that I am most encouraged about with Robbie Ray. His whiff percentage in 2021 was 87%, and his strikeout rate was in the 93rd percentile. And again, that whiff rate is in the 87th percentile. He did not get guys to swing at 87th percent right. of pitches. That would be the greatest rate of all time. In 2022, his whiff rate is in the 83rd percentile, but his strikeout percentage is only in the 66th percentile. And what I'm seeing is Robbie Wright is getting swings and misses at a right. very solid rate. It just so happens that they're not happening on strike three very much. Yep. And again, we talk about this, the, the one beginning thing, that's always going to be something that you're going to have to be uh, cognizant with Ray because he will put guys on base. And when yes. you don't have an absolutely elite fastball or don't have elite fastball spin. If you put two guys on be a base, the three run Homer becomes a very real possibility. That is just going to be something yep. that you have to keep in mind, but I expect Robbie Wright to be much better in the second half of the season and miss a lot more bats. It's funny. His best start of the year was one of his worst bat missing starts of the year that those seven right. innings, I believe he only had four strikeouts in that thing, but I am still very encouraged by what Robbie Ray has shown us, especially as of late, I still, I, it would have been nice to get some more results. I don't think he's going to be an ace, but I still think he can be, especially in fantasy terms, that fantasy two or that fantasy three. And I don't think in this rotation, he needs to be the ace. Nope, he does not. We'll get into that in just one sec. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff. Coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Phillies take on the Nationals in Washington on Sunday, June 19th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em contest. Nathan, us uh, as West Coast guys, the, these 11.30 a.m. Eastern time games are uh, pretty interesting, aren't they? Well, I mean, yes, it is certainly interesting to flip on the game after I've watched the EPL on a Sunday morning and see a baseball game starting. However, if we are if we are lamenting our West Coast woes, at least my baseball games don't start at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, my gosh. We we have it so good Uh, for the only sport. I think that the East Coast has it better than us is college football, because I think there's something about like the 12 to 12. That's a little better. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm usually up and certainly wasn't in my youth. I hey, I lamented the heck out of the fact that I had to wake up on Saturday at 830 to get ready to watch college right. football. Like, And it, it was funny to lament it because it's not like I was doing anything. I would literally put on some sweatpants and sit on the couch for <laughs> <laughs> I was I, don't... I was getting ready to do nothing. Yeah. I would imagine if you're an East Coast resident, you haven't truly lived unless you've sat out on your porch in New Jersey at one in the morning and flipped on for kickoff of a University of Hawaii football oh, game. My gosh, yeah, I only lived on the East Coast <laughs> for a couple of years, but being a person who is very insomniac—I don't think that's a word—but I'll try to make it a word. Sure. For someone who has that, uh, who someone who cannot sleep very well. The fact that I used to be able to get Hawaii football on until about 3.30 in the morning. That's the next market inefficiency is getting a baseball game to start at about midnight. How can we do that? Rob, if you're listening, uh, Nathan's got some ideas for you. I probably shouldn't give give him ideas. (laughs) That's fair. You talked about that guy. How about one of the – Robbie Ray not being that ace. And I think one of the reasons is I think the Mariners already have their ace. And it's a guy named Logan Gilbert who – Really showed flashes of brilliance last year outside of a really bad August, like something like an ERA yeah. of 9.82 in that month and ERAs that were much, much more aesthetically pleasing outside of that month. He's been great this year. I believe he's sixth right now in ERA, just came off a really good start against a good Twins lineup. Yes. Uh, Logan Gilbert, rest of the year, is this a number one starter? I think it's a little too early. To, well, okay. So now we're getting into the semantics of number one starter <laughs> versus an ace. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think he's a number one starter. He's obviously the number one starter in this rotation. And when I was, uh, and that's not a slight on Robbie Ray. I just talked about why I'm high on him. But I think you watch the Mariners, you watch them every day, as I have been cursed by the gods to do until I die. You see Logan Gilbert pitch, and it's clear that this guy's stuff plus command, plus whatever that weird makeup is that makes a guy just look like a really bad afternoon as a hitter to want to face on the mound. Logan Gilbert has that. Uh, He, like you said, had a pretty good rookie showing last year, but showed up this year with a different shape on his slider that I think has really added that really good second out pitch that he needed because the fastball is great. He's touching 99 on the fastball and rides it on the top of the zone really nicely. Combined with the fact that he's, I don't even, I mean, if he were an NBA draft prospect, they'd go crazy about his length, right? Like, <laughs> for sure. I mean, this guy's letting the ball go yeah. like 40 feet away from home plate, and it just makes it really hard to pick up his stuff. And I think it's, it's, 
it's still, I still want to see him being able to go through the lineup a third time more regularly. I'd like to see more seven plus inning starts out of him. I'd right. love to see some starts with like 10 plus strikeouts, which it sounds like I'm setting a really high bar here, but that's the kind of pitcher I think he can and may Could end be. up being like, sure. that's, that's where he may be headed right here. It is one of the handful of best starters in the American league. It looks like, I mean, yeah. combined with Julio, this is probably the two best prospects. Mariners have graduated since Felix Hernandez, I would think. Yep. I would put him right in that. And it's, by the way, it's still amazing to me that Stetson university has produced Jacob amazing. DeGrom. Corey Kluber, and it looks like they've got a pretty darn good one in Logan Gilbert. I could have put Gilbert in that tier just yet, but there is that potential to be there. I think people might look at his savant page and get scared by the fact that he's giving up a lot of hard contact. I think Logan Gilbert does a really good job of pitching to where the defense is set up. And that hard contact, it's not... This is not a Jack Morris thing, like a pitch to the score nonsense type of thing, but he is going to be a guy that knows that if his defense is set up in a certain way, that the line drive that gets caught by the second baseman is not a big deal and out is an out. I am really encouraged by the fact that he's avoiding barrels at such an elite rate in his second season. Strikeout percentage is well above average. Again, I would like to see more finishing bats, and that's why I'm a little concerned about maybe some clunkers down the stretch. I mean, there is definitely, he has not pitched in my personal opinion to a 2.22 ERA rate, right? But he hasn't pitched to like a 4.5 rate either. This is a, a very good young starter. The other guy I wanted to ask you about that I forgot to uh, put in the outline, but just behind the scenes guys, we do sometimes send outlines to these people. Um, not that yes. Nathan needed it, but George Kirby, like how far behind do you think he is from Logan Gilbert? I mean, not as much as I would think. I mean, yeah. if this, if you're going to paint a rosy picture for the Seattle Mariners, it's that this team has, uh, by and large, done a seemingly really good job with nailing their top round draft picks, and they've done a really nice job developing arms recently. And Logan Gilbert and George Kirby are graduated to the major leagues, which is something this organization has struggled to do. Practically the entire Jerry Depoto regime right. is graduating guys to the major leagues and having them be productive. And the, the crazy thing about George Kirby is how unspectacularly pedestrianly good he seems. Like you don't even really notice how 100%. good he is. There's right. nothing that really that really stands out other than the fact that he just doesn't walk anybody, which was right. definitely his calling card coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think he's going to need to work on the long ball. I was at his last start in Fenway. Rafael Devers did something very mean to him that really should not geez. be allowed in public. <laughs> but again, this guy... It's his rookie season. Now, the question is, if it concer- as it concerns the 2022 Seattle Mariners, is both of these guys are going to run into their inning limits very quickly. That's fair. And, and I have no idea what the organizational plan is if they are going to push for a playoff spot, which... Ponce de Leon! <laughs> but yeah, super exciting. It, I mean, if, if you want to have a positive take on the Seattle Mariners as an organization, yeah. which is at times uh, very challenging, I think mm-hmm. you can project to the best players they have on their roster right now, which are Julio Rodriguez, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Ty France, J.P. Crawford, and note that all of these guys are in their early to mid-20s and are projected to be with this franchise for the next three to five years. So that that is very encouraging going forward. 100%. The, the pitching potential for the Seattle Mariners, and that's kind of scary because, you know, um, Tin Stapp, for those of you who aren't familiar mm. with it, there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. And you know what? 
there's going to be volatility with pitching forever. We are not meant to do this. We are not meant to put our arm above our head and throw this hard. But I will say this, like George Kirby's command is so impressive. It's not just his control. I mean, he really hits yeah. his spot and he challenges yep. guys, throws plenty hard, his fastball velocities in the 90, or excuse me, in the 79th percentile throwing 96 miles per hour. Yes. Another guy who has given up a lot of hard contact, but again, a lot of that hard contact is just going straight towards infielders. Going to have to make an adjustment with no shift, but uh, very encouraged by him going forward. Here's a guy that I am both encouraged and discouraged about going forward. We've kind of gone positive, negative, positive, negative. Jesse Winker. So Jesse Mm -hmm. Winker was kind of the Mariners' biggest with all due respect to Robbie Ray, Jesse Winker to me was the biggest get for the Seattle Mariners agree. in the offseason because they needed that middle of the order bat. And he was a guy who's coming off back to back seasons with an OPS above 900. Mm-hmm. The OPS this year is 636. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is just not driving the baseball, slugging 309 right now four homers he's driven in 24 runs some of that has to do with the fact that he's been hitting a lot at the top of the lineup there are some really encouraging metrics here nathan but like let's let's put let's have you put your fantasy baseball hat on how concerned are you about jesse winker for the rest of the 2022 season isn't it moderately discouraged the thing with winker is and i'm not a baseball scout i won't pretend to be but i have watched baseball my whole life and i watched a whole lot of it i've been good friends with some people that have done scouting for a living so i've I've got a little bit there winker is a guy who feels like he is not succeeding through superior athleticism he's not succeeding through raw tools the way that we would see other guys do this is a guy whose whose success and ability to thrive is based upon an immaculate approach at the plate. This is a man who knows how to hit. He feels like somebody who sat at the feet of Joey Votto for years and just learned as much as he possibly could from one of the smartest hitters alive. Uh, and the concern with with Winker is when you watch him hit right now, as you said, he's slugging. What is he slugging right now? Low 300s, right? Yeah, 309. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a slugging percentage that 25th guy, utility guys would laugh at uh, on sure. a good team. <laughs> the man's just not driving the ball, and it's it doesn't feel like bad. There has been some bad luck in the first yep. couple weeks of the season. In particular, he had some Especially hard hit calls. Yeah. The hard contact since then has largely fallen off. It's very fair to question, as a guy who doesn't have a great exit velo percentile because he, again, he's not a superior athlete. What the transition from great American ballpark to T-Mobile has done sure. to that. We've seen a yeah. lot of flyouts at the warning track, old Justin many, smoke syndrome, many Justin smokes. Yes. I was just about to say for sure. And you want, you wonder baseball, baseball is such a mental and such a mental game that the failures can start to cascade. Like mm-hmm. is it, the balls that he was hitting at Great American Ballpark that were going over the fence, now they're not going over the fence. So what's going on in his head? What is he adjusting? Sure. And is that making it worse? We don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So the other question is, he finally got a day off yesterday. This is a guy that's never played, I think, more than 70-ish percent of a major league season. Correct. He finally got a day off yesterday after playing basically two straight months, and he had a two-for-two two game with a walk. So maybe this is a guy that's just grinds down faster than you know the Mariners would like him to be the Mariners need him to be an everyday guy but that's not necessarily his fault you know no and here's the thing Jesse Winker is assuredly going to be better in the second half of the season my opinion in part because 
he can't be worse. And that's one of the reasons <laughs> why I like I'm still hanging on to him for fantasy thing. I talked about this with my uh, podcast buddy, Colin. One of the benefits of like trading for somebody like Jesse Winker was the same thing about trading for Marcus Simeon when he was just absolutely terrible to begin the season is, is you're not trading for those numbers that he already had. That's done. Correct. That person who had the player has that. You are only going to get the regression for lack of a better term. And I take a look at this. I was looking at Jesse Winker because I saw some people tweeting about him and I was just like looking at some numbers. Okay. Against four seam fastballs, which I think everybody can agree are probably the best pitches for hitters to hit. And he's seeing sure. them 43% of the time. He has an expected batting average against those of 253. Not great. Not, not, not elite by any stretch of the imagination. He has an expected weighted on base average against those of 403. That's very good. Yes. He has an expected slugging percentage of 546 against wow. four seam fastballs. Let me give you the real numbers. Expected batting average 253, actual batting average 146. Expected weighted on base average 403, actual weighted on base average 289. Expected slugging percentage 546. Again, very, very good number. His actual slugging percentage against forcing fastballs is 232. Ooh. Now, let me just tell you this. The, the, again, these are just the the expected numbers they're not predictive of what's going to happen going forward it's just fair to say that jesse winker has had a lot of bad luck but i will say this his hard hit percentage is only in the 20th percentile so yep. he's earned some of that bad luck it, the expected stats don't necessarily take into the account that jesse winker has topped the baseball a lot he has popped the baseball up a lot i'm excited about jesse winker going forward because of the fact that i think you're going to see some real ascension to the mean, which is not a thing that you want to hear for yourself. You want to hear, right. you, you don't want to hear regression to the mean either, but ascension to the mean just kind of tells you how terrible that you've been. Uh, my other concern here is that he's a dreadful outfielder yep. in the seventh percentile, in the second percentile in outfielder jump. Hit. Yeah, he, he has to hit. And that's the thing going forward. And, you know, this is a 28 year old. This is not a 23, 24 year old. So, I do yeah. have some long-term concerns about him. I think that he's probably going to have to be a designated hitter uh, going forward, which actually leads me to another guy that I wanted to talk about real quick, Kyle Lewis. So we're not going to talk about the injury situation with Kyle Lewis right now because it's muddled and confusing, and it'll only get me angry about people saying some not nice things. But in 2020, this guy looked like he was going to be a superstar. A, and I don't use that term lightly. I was super impressed with what I saw, even in that truncated season. And then 2021, you know, injuries. 2022 uh, comes back from injury, uh, hits two home runs in his first three games, and has not been right. on the field since. Do you believe that Kyle Lewis is a long-term part of the Seattle Mariner organization? Yes, but... I don't know what that looks like. Is he going to be a long, a long-term part of this organization in the way he is currently, which is basically like the, I don't know what the best way he's, he's like basically the, the lucky charm that like he kind of just floats around this organization. And when things are going bad and fans yeah. want to feel good, they say something like, well, when Lewis comes back, 
it's going to all get better. And it's, it's really getting to this point. And, and to be very clear, Chris, I adore Kyle Lewis, both as Same. a player and from all accounts as a, a person, human being, yep. an incredible player to root for. I don't know how anyone um, as, as a fantasy player, as a Mariner fan, as, if you work for the Mariners can say, we expect X out of Kyle. Lewis. You cannot expect anything out of this guy. Anything nope. you get as a bonus, which is why it was so exciting to see him come back. And even looking like, I think you said like Kirk Gibson in 1988, yeah. hobbling around. The man cannot move. And he no. hit two home runs in his first four games. I think the yeah. the bat is still so special with this guy. And, and it's such a tragedy that he was robbed of what, God knows what his career would be like if he hadn't run into somebody with a point to prove in single A by blocking the home plate. But oh man, yeah, I don't think you can depend on him. I don't want to be a downer about it. I I love the guy. I want it sure. to be the Hollywood story so badly for him, but it just feels like Franklin Gutierrez 2.0 to me, and uh, that's really hard to say. So it's interesting because I am excited about Kyle Lewis going forward, despite the fact that I think you have to be like counting on more than 90 games from him is probably counting too much. And mm -hmm. he is a completely different player. What Kyle Lewis kind of has become to me is Chris Davis and not the Chris Davis. That was the first baseman in Baltimore. The Chris Davis, that was a lock to hit 247 for like mm -hmm. 13 straight seasons. Yes. He has basically become that type of player where I think he's a guy that can't help you in the average category anymore can't steal stolen bait. Like there is zero chance that Kyle Lewis is going to run again. I, I, right. I pray I'm wrong. I hope that becomes the, the, the freezing is cold of sub zero, uh, fighting scorpion, freezing cold take that just <laughs> like becomes so great that he, the fact of the matter is, is because of what's happened to his knees, he's just not going to help you. So yeah. I think he could become a two category type of guy that can hit for power and can drive in some runs if you have some guys hitting in front of him. Um, you know, I, I do believe that the Mariners have some of those guys. And I lied to you. I want to ask you about one more player because I think people will get mad if we don't ask about this guy. Jared Kelnick, not great uh, in his stats with the Seattle <laughs> Mariners. Did not build upon that absolutely outstanding September, which I think brought yeah. up a lot of hope. It's, it's kind of interesting because he was terrible. And then he looked really good in September and then he was terrible in spring training. And then he homered in three of the four last yep. games in spring training. And then he was pretty much terrible outside of a couple of fun little moments of pinchy at Homer and stuff like that. I'm really optimistic about Jared Kelnick. How about you? I mean, I'm a Mariners fan, Chris. It's, <laughs> it's increasingly hard to say I'm I taking totally the up the did. I'm taking the sunshine view on this. I I love Jared Kelnick. I've actually grown to love Jared Kelnick more as he's struggled. It's made it more and 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 the way he's handled it and he's shown a side of himself that is more honest and vulnerable than I would have expected given what I knew of him coming into his major league debut. Uh, I'm rooting for him very hard. The skill, the the tools are still there. I mean, this looks like you when you watch him square up a fastball, it you see why this guy was a top ten prospect in Major League Baseball. You watch him. I'm I'm so encouraged that after looking like uh, something that your dog does on the side of the road in center field last year, he yeah. looked very good in right field in the major leagues this year. I'm, yeah, like a plus corner outfielder, which I grant has limited value, but it's still great to see. But dog on it that guy has no idea what to do with well-located off-speed pitches he just can't hit them and has not shown the ability to do it and in the major leagues 
that's all you're going to see. And I just don't, I just don't know. I, I, <laughs> I totally get it. It's so, I'm terrified that he's going to be a late bloomer on another organization. As a Mariners I, fan, that's my tear. They sell that, low on I, him. Oh, yeah. That's to totally, Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Tampa Bay. And Tampa pushes one focus. button, and all yeah. of a sudden, boop, perennial yeah, all-star. It's, it's that. Uh, I forget the commercial that has the easy button, but that is kind of what Tampa Bay seems to do with these guys. I will say this about Jared Kelman. He is going to be an outlier if he does end up being good because most guys who start out this poorly, who have a 594 OPS over basically a full season of baseball, that normally doesn't work out. I will say this, though. There aren't many guys who have the talent that Jared Kelnick has either. Yes. there, And I will point out again that until July 16th, this guy is still 22 years old. He's yes. younger than in a borderline majority, if not overwhelming majority, of top 100 prospects still. Yeah. He is not the sure thing that we, we thought he was. The, the, everybody raved about the high floor of this kid. That's no longer the case. And I will say this for fantasy purposes, you can't trust Jared Kelnick for the rest of the year. If you're yep. playing in a dynasty league, you hang on to Jared Kelnick till you can't do it anymore. Because the talent is not in question. You watch Jared Kelnick do things on the baseball field that say, oh, okay, the talent is there. Now, you also watch moments for Jared Kelnick and you say, maybe we should be comparing him to the Chris Davis in Baltimore. Because there <laughs> is just moments of borderline ineptitude. But I am still somebody. I, I've joked about this on Twitter, but it's really not a joke. Until Jared Kelnick turns 28, I am going to still believe I in think that bat. I think uh, it's Nathan, fair. Yeah, Nathan, first of all, thank you for doing this. And second of all, could you talk about what happens on Mondays at uh, 1 o'clock? I, I think people might get a kick out of it. Sure. So you can check out my buddy Chris Crawford and I Who? on 93.3 FM. Oh, I forgot. Radio you can also, you can also Google that. that. Yeah, that's I right. part of that. Huh. Uh, Chris, Chris and I do a show that Chris helped coin the term for called Molly Wap Mondays. <laughs> And uh, for some reason, it's on the Ian Furness show. Ian and his producer, Kevin Shockey, for whatever reason, have deemed it in their best interest. And we are seeking counseling for both of them to allow oh Chris and I to talk about the Mariners for about yeah. 45 minutes every Monday, starting at one o'clock Pacific time. You can stream it live uh, through the magic of the Internet on your yeah. own computer, regardless of where you live. It's a lot of fun. I will tell you this. It is one of, it's, don't get me wrong. I look, I look forward to doing all of these podcasts and I look forward to getting to write about baseball and stuff like that. But there is, that's the thing I think I get the most excited about right now, to be honest with you. It is a chance to vent is the wrong word because I think we are taking a, a cautious approach to the team. You know, like we're sure. not just saying a bunch of nonsense. And it's one of my favorite things is, it's what good sports talk radio is. We know yep. what bad sports talk radio can be, and it can be yep. extremely, for lack of a better term, toxic. This is not toxic. This is a chance to just kind of take a look. We, we kind of break down the week that was. It's a lot of fun. I will tell you, Ian, or <laughs> I will tell you, Nathan, that's funny. That's a, <laughs> kind of a Freudian slip. It does break my heart a little bit that we're doing this with the Washington State Cougar. But um, uh, uh, absolutely likewise. But you know what? It's also the best part of his week to be able to hang out with us. Like yes. we're just bringing him up. So that's yeah. fine. 
Uh, Canadian man. Cougar, if I if I if I remember correctly, just yeah, a that's little a, over two right there. That is absolutely the case. He will. Uh, I'm surprised he was willing to give me his tickets for the Blue Jay series. If I'm being <laughs> totally with you. that's going to do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, stay tuned on Friday. We're going to do a mock draft that features me and actual people who know what they're talking about. I always have to get a shot in at me at some point. Like, subscribe to the show, please, and thank you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Nathan at Nathan underscore H underscore B. Did I get that right? You sure did. Crushed it. Thanks again, guys. We really appreciate you listening. Um, tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun for uh, for a lot of you who play in uh, leagues that do like a redraft or something like that. I think it'll be extremely valuable. Stay tuned. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you guys soon. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.